Hello, everybody. I'm Neil. Hi, guys. I'm Sandra. I got a proposition for you. Is it an indecent one? Yes, very. Uh, you're going to give me your Twitter account, or I'm going to call the local sheriff's office uh, shit stop will come and shoot you in the face. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> talking about people being swatted over their social media handles, video gaming disputes, or simply because they work for Instagram or Facebook. Miley Cyrus was swatted twice, Justin Timberlake, Ashton Kutchner, Kutcher, sorry, I've all my entire life I've said Kutchner. Wow, it doesn't matter, the puppy's, uh, puppy's bailing you out. Exactly, <laughs> Kelly's bailing me out. <laughs> Uh, Selena Gomez and other celebrities didn't escape this insane trend either. There's no mystery per se to solve in this episode, but this is a dubious, extremely dangerous practice and a subject that caught our attention. Yeah, this is the oldest dumb thing that the internet uh, has come up with, and maybe even not the internet. I can find mention of swatting in an FBI post from 2008, and they're talking about investigating five guys going back to 2002 and people on early internet forums talking about that story from the fbi were saying oh no it goes back before that even like the bulletin board system days um you can probably go back to the 80s with this as a concept probably even the 70s but the 80s for sure because it was entertainment then so this is old school stuff, just been around forever. Yes, it's insane. I do not know how many times I'm going to say this during this episode, but I can't help myself. Yeah, you know, I argued for two days that I didn't, I don't even want to do this episode. I don't want to, I don't even want to give these, <laughs> I don't want to give these cretins any brain cells. You know, they're not worth the effort. Um, but I, So I agree with that point, <laughs> but let me just say this. Before... Uh, very recently, I did not really know about this as something that is truly happening. This was new to me, and I also presume a lot of listeners had no idea that this is happening and they, until today when they are yeah. listening to us now. So I, I still think it's interesting and it's, you know, it's just like, it's not a mystery. There's nothing to solve here today, but it's interesting to talk about this and about how um, crazy some people can be. And it's a new... Uh, for some people, a new subject. And I, f I find it, it it's interesting, it's scary, but at the same time, I think people should know what's going on. And in case they get targeted, they know how to kind of like understand what's going on and call the FBI before the SWAT team comes to their house. The only way you can make sense of all this is even more insane than the thing itself. And also, guys, please don't swat us because we both have pets. And honestly, I guess we both feel the same. Like, we don't really care about ourselves as much. But if anything happens to our pets, we're going to go like yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, this, this will be a, uh, we will transition at that point. We would be a provisional Irish Republican Army uh, podcast. Yeah, maybe, maybe let's not <laughs> go into that. Like, no, no, no. We're just going to go like, this is Sparta. Yeah, yeah. they only got like knives and uh, and abs. We need guns. 
We don't. I mean, I, I have some kitchen knives, apps, not so much. I mean, I do have them. You can't just, they're like concealed. Yeah, you don't have to explain yourself to the listeners. For one thing, this episode too, there's not any yet. For another thing, uh, you know, they live in America too. So they're eating Cheetos while they listen to this. So should we get into it? Sure. Okay, so we both talked about this a little earlier, and we both decided that we don't really want to say the names of those people who caused these tragedies that we're going to talk about because they don't deserve to have their names mentioned, honestly, ever. And honestly, it's like, and on top of that, you're not missing anything. None of this, none of them are that interesting. You know, that's the whole part of this that we mentioned earlier is this is really dumb. You know, these are people who are doing this for very dumb reasons. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Nobody's getting anything from it. This is Elena. How can I help you? I just shot someone. You just shot somebody? Yes, ma'am. The first person we are going to talk about is a gentleman named Mark Herring. He was 60 years old and he died of a heart attack after being swatted over his Twitter handle at Tennessee. Mark created that account and chose that handle because he loved the Volunteers, which is the local Tennessee University football team. He was a big fan. He started being harassed over his uh, handle and he kept getting calls, threatening messages on social media and his personal phone as well, all aimed at persuading him to give up his account. Then the cash-only pizza delivery started happening. Yeah, I remember these from in the early 2000s as well, before there was a Twitter or a Facebook or any other, you know, worldwide social media. There was not worldwide social media until the, you know, the mid early 2000s. And it was a joke, but it was harmless. It was something like, in addition to pizzas, the post office would bring you boxes. And that was the joke was, you know, you make enemies with somebody on a forum or something. And the joke was, you're going to get some boxes, which I mean, that's a harmless thing. It's like the boxes were free. Nobody lost anything. When it turned into pizzas, you know, you're screwing over the pizza guy here. Yeah. If the guy doesn't pay for the pizzas. So, I mean, in fairness, there was a little bit of apprehension about, wait a minute, you know, make your jokes, but don't do any real world damage here. But of course, that is all completely lost on people who are inherently self-destructive. So the jump from boxes and pizzas to I'll send the cops to your door for people who, uh, you know, get, you know, giant gauges put in their ear. That's yeah, yeah, I agree. Short jump. The people who did this, it was one guy who lived in Tennessee, actually. And then another British kid, a minor, he was not extradited. I suppose we have to give credit to Top Gear on this, that this is uh, Jeremy Clarkson's thing about how uh, the British version of these guys is a hoodie and a stolen BMW. That's like the equivalent. I have no idea what you're talking about. I know the show, but I don't know the episode. You know what I mean? Like, I just know it's about cars. Just take my word for it. It's the swatting guy in the UK is a hoodie and a stolen BMW. The adult pled guilty to conspiracy, and he had done this previously. He accused one victim's parents in Ohio by sending uh, unwanted deliveries of food and by falsely reporting a fire. He actually sent the victim a message reading, Did your parents enjoy the fire trucks? I plan on killing your parents next if you do not hand the username on Instagram over to me. It makes me get goosebumps, right? I mean, it's just absolutely 
I don't know. I just cringe. I can't believe this is happening and people do this over stupid social media handles. Now, this this particular guy who was an adult, he was sentenced to five years in prison with mental health treatment and limited internet access. And I am pissed because I wouldn't give him any access at all to the internet. Why? Why does he need it? Secondly, this sentence is too lax. This is five years? I'm sorry, but no, a man died. You know, you have to consider for our legal system, this is a somewhat new thing for them. And it kind of, it hits the weak point in the armor there too, because- Very true, very true. So, you know, by the letter of the law, what did this guy do wrong? I mean, he called in a false police report. You can charge him with that. But a false police report is, you know, it's a misdemeanor. It's not really that big of a deal. So it's only a real crime um, that's worth anybody talking about because the cops are unhinged and were looking to shoot somebody as soon as they got there without even knowing what's going on. So, you know, it has to, uh, it's the, you know, it's the full Monty. It has to be the cops in on the uh, thing with their own, you know, shot of ignorance to make the whole thing come together. Yes, and um, that's a very good point, exactly. Like, this is the the issue with swatting that up to recently, where the laws became, uh, you know, more targeted uh, on this kind of activity, uh, there were so many loopholes that you couldn't really convict these people to a long time in prison. But thank goodness, as you'll find out a bit later, that changed. There's another case. Uh, this guy, his name is Brian Krebs, and he did a uh, like an IT security blog in the early 2000s. It was a big deal. I mean, everybody had been linked to this guy at some point back in those days and knew who he was. You know, he had a story about being swatted by this guy who went by the name Phobia. And that guy actually kind of follows back to another guy who got all of his devices taken over uh, by the same guy, the same phobia guy. And this is all over Twitter handles and ridiculous online arguments. Brian Krebs was smart enough that he figured out what was going on pretty early when this guy targeted him. And um, it was all over a database that was leaked out of a Taiwanese website that it's, it's difficult to explain in 2021 that such a thing ever existed. In the early 2000s, you could actually just go plug in a credit card number into a Taiwanese website. And they would sell you enough bots and bandwidth to attack somebody else's website with a denial of service attack, like you were shopping on Amazon, seriously. And so somebody in Taiwan was making money off of this. They're just processing stolen credit cards, surely, uh, in every case. And uh, you could uh, kick your buddy off of a video game if you didn't like how he was playing. Or you could kick somebody's website offline if you didn't like what they said about your favorite football team. And, I mean, in the early internet days, there were no laws against this, per se. So it was kind of Wild West and such things existed. But anyways, Brian Krebs published a database of all the customers of one of these you know, denial of service services. And this phobia guy was in the database, so decided he was going to go after Brian Krebs. And Brian Krebs found him and got him on the phone. 
And it turns out our phobia guy, most of his interest predictably was in stealing people's Xbox Live accounts because of course it was. I mean, that's as big as the world is ever going to be is your Xbox Live account. So he sent the SWAT team to Brian Krebs' house in the span of this little back and forth altercation that they had. And eventually, Krebs actually talked to the kid's dad on the phone. It's like, hey, here's what your son's up to. And he says that, uh, you know, in the background, as he's explaining to his dad what your dumb son is doing on the Internet, now he's going to wind up in prison. Uh, he said, I can hear furious typing in the background. And he says, I know that that is, you know, this kid in the background furiously deleting his YouTube channel. Because it goes without saying that the kid and his four other buddies or three other buddies that were doing all this together, you know, made YouTube videos of everything they did and advertised it to the world. But again, 2013. This is before anybody knew to look on YouTube to find evidence of a crime being committed. No, but they're also stupid. I mean, it's, yes, it's, I mean yes. it goes without saying. And the, the kicker that makes this one worth mentioning in detail is after a full write-up on everything that's gone on where he tells the world, I mean, Brian Krebs has a much bigger audience in 2013 than Phobia does, I assure you. So... After he's explained to the world who Phobia is, where he lives, explained how he talked to his dad on the phone and caused this kid to delete his YouTube channel, the kid responds in the comments of Brian Krebs' news story. It's like, you just can't help yourself. I would think by now, most people have learned that, you know, if the police ever ask you about something you said on the internet, you talk to those cops, you're going to go to jail. But... Yeah, this kid just can't help himself. He's in the comments of the story about him, uh, you know, and it's uh, it's ridiculous. And it turns out, Phobia, this is not the first time uh, this kid has managed to get himself a large write-up in a prominent blog or magazine at the time. This Phobia guy managed to get into the iCloud account of a Wired magazine reporter, which, I mean, I understand that these brands have declined over time, but for people who are not aware, I can assure you that Wired magazine was a big deal in 2012. Even so, I heard about it. Even I. Yeah, even yes. I. Yes. So everybody knew who Wired magazine was in 2012. So there's a Wired Magazine reporter that uh, details how this phobia guy got into his iCloud account. And another thing worth mentioning in all this is it's not Russian kids in a hoodie in a dark room furiously typing away on a green screen that looks like the Matrix. No, that's not it. It's more like a kid uh, calls Apple's tech support number and says, hey, I'm this reporter from Wired Magazine and I forgot my password, answers all the security questions wrong, and the person on the other end of the phone that works at Apple just gave him the password anyway because they didn't want the hassle. So in that guy's case, uh, the Wired Magazine reporter, he really didn't do anything wrong. No genius did this, just somebody willing to spend a day of their time on a stupid endeavor that will net them zero dollars. I mean, that's kind of like, now that I think about it, 
uh, a podcaster, for instance. Ah, I disagree. <laughs> I mean, look at us. We're wonderful. We're beautiful. We're smart. We have doggies. We have kitties. People love us if they're still listening. The two, the two people that are still listening, please tell us you love us on the social media. <laughs> yeah. Know. I was going to ask you, Neil, the, the reporter from Wired, he didn't get hurt in any way or anything. So nothing came to... Nothing materialized from all these online threats and stuff and harassment, right? Like, not really. He lost. Uh, he temporarily lost his Twitter account, uh, which he got back, and I think he temporarily lost his Gmail account. He got that back, and it cost him about two grand. Uh, the story was that uh, you can uh, remotely wipe your phone, your iPad, your MacBook, whatever, through Find My Find My iPhone or Find My Mac. That was what the guy was up to with the Wired guy was he just wanted to be in a Wired magazine article as a nefarious hacker. So, huh? So he wanted the notoriety. So there was some kind of incentive, some kind of incentive for him on some level. Well, that was yeah. So he wiped the guy's Mac. The Wired reporter said that he was worried about losing uh, his kids' pictures. He was he had a a baby that was just born a year before. But yeah, uh, he, I mean, a, I, a data recovery service managed to go through the hard drive and get all his pictures, so he didn't... Good, because those are irreplaceable. That's the stuff that you can't get back. Did I tell you when I deleted everything I had on my laptop and I don't even know how? And now everything is in my trash bin, but I cannot... It doesn't work with like select all and recover. Or whatever. It just doesn't. So now everything, every time I'm looking for something, I have to go into my trash bin on my <laughs> laptop. Because that is where everything I have is in my trash bin. That's really funny. You're just like teetering on the edge of the cliff. If you press the wrong button one time, it's all over. No, I, I literally am. That's why, <laughs> that's why I could have never, you know, done anything technical. And that's why I'm so lucky you walked me through the process of uh, this entire you know, technical side of the podcast because, like, I'm hopeless. I really am. I don't yeah. know. I've I've talked my boomer dad into getting his email every year for the one time a year he checks his email for the past 15 years. And every time it's like <laughs> an hour and a half long ordeal because, you know, whatever the password was changed to last year, uh, he didn't save it. So he doesn't know what it is. And, yeah, it's the same thing every year. My mom thought that uh, somebody is hacking her on Skype because Skype changed the design of the display, whatever. It, you know, the, the it just looked a little different and the colors were a little different. And my mom was entirely sure that there's a <laughs> hacker living in her phone <laughs> who modifies her Skype just to piss her off. Like, literally, it took me convincing. You know, ironically, and on a phone, no, not so much. Uh, but if the same thing happens on your laptop, you should be suspicious. You know, if you click on a link on your laptop and you think, wait a minute, that doesn't look like PayPal. You're probably right. It does not look like PayPal and you should not type anything. Yeah, no, that that's I'm very careful about the phishing emails because uh, I tend to be that person that will click on stuff. So I'm very careful when I look at emails just to make sure. And if it's something I don't recognize or I don't need or I don't expect or I don't, you know, I, I, I don't well, know it's coming, the, I'm not this, clicking. You know, before we give our uh, evil corporate friends at Apple and Google too much credit, they're they're making this worse. <sighs> 
<laughs> they have decided in the past couple of uh, years that their browsers should not show people what the full address of the site they're on is in the address bar anymore. So, yeah. You are making this worse, Apple and Google. You're making it easier for hackers to actually create like false addresses that look like the original, but they're not. And because people right. can't see the ending of the... It's it's ultimately your fault if you didn't read, you know, if you wind up at PayPal's with an S or a Z dot R-U and you type username and password in there, it's your fault if you didn't read the address. But whose fault is it if Apple and Google took the address away from you so that you can't read it? I mean, this is... Yeah, it's it's a... it's a That doesn't sound right. And Tim Apple, if you, if you ever take away the option to uh, turn that back on, uh, that's where we're going to part ways and your uh, rise in Safari usage is going to be a decline in Safari usage because... The only saving grace you got going on now is I can turn it back on manually. If I can't turn it back on manually, we're done here. We got nothing else to talk about. I'm going to go back to Firefox and just, I'm going to wash my hands of all of these people. But I, yeah. I'm sure they're all going to base your, oh, their decisions on our <laughs> recommendations. If there's one thing everybody on the internet can be sure of, it's that I'm important and everybody cares what I have to say. So, yeah, uh, there's at least one person and probably the three listeners that we have left by this point because <laughs> right. we went because we went off a really long tangent here. But please tell us about the code. I think the world needs to know about the code. I'm excited about the code. Yes, we're not just doing a podcast. We're actually doing two different things here. Um, I've written over the past few months a platform that allows people to publish themselves without the publishing fees that uh, people like Patreon and Apple and uh, Amazon charge to publish your own content. And by platform, I mean, you're going to have the source code. We're going to release it to the world for free. Anybody will be able to use these tools to publish their own content um, on their own website with their own merchant account uh, and without any middleman collecting any fees. Yes, and pretty much this code behind UBS is meant to enable listeners like you to have the choice of supporting content creators like ourselves directly, bypassing this unfair practice of paying extremely rich media corporations like Spotify, Patreon, an arm and a leg. Yes, I don't think people realize this in many cases that... Uh, you know, when you sign up for Patreon uh, to pay a podcaster you like or a video producer that you like uh, or Substack to pay an opinion writer that you like, uh, that's good. Don't get me wrong. We agree with the model and uh, we're going to do the same thing. But, uh, you know, 20 to 30 percent of your money goes to the corporation that actually publishes um, the media file uh, and swipes the credit card. Uh, it doesn't go, it doesn't all go to the person that you want to pay and you should be able to pay them directly. So that's what we're going to give them is the ability to do exactly that. Yes. And I think the main point is that uh, the code you wrote, which is amazing and which supports this podcast, this is kind of like quote unquote, our Patreon, this code is free. And when we say free, we really mean free. This is not a gimmick or some kind of, like, no, Neil wrote this code to basically enable people to empower them to be able to publish their own content on their own terms. That's what's most important, right? And 
if you're a podcaster or content creator of any type, you should know that this call code is called rentfree.media and you will be able to find it on the website of the same name. And it's really important to point out that, for example, I call this code the Robin Hood code, which, by the way, also matches our cover graphics, Neil. I, did, I just realized. Because <laughs> it's about, the, you know, the guy we have on our cover? He's got with a the, hood on it. He's everything. got a hood on Yeah, the Robin Hood code. <laughs> no, for real, this is really important. And I think this is a liberating way for listeners and, and content creator, creators to manage their own content on their own terms, right? Yes, and, um, you know... It's yeah, it really is, and you know we, like I said earlier, we lost uh, we lost that in the past few years somehow. The internet uh, was a great thing when it came out for this reason that uh, you know anybody could uh, put whatever they wanted online, and maybe you build a following, maybe you get followers, you know, maybe you get subscribers, maybe you make a living at doing what you uh, weren't aware that you could do by yourself, but um, you can, and yeah. uh, we're gonna let you. Yes, and moreover. As a regular person, because I've been a quote-unquote podcaster just in the very recent uh, time, but before that, I do like to listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to podcasts all the time, and it never really occurred to me. Like, I never even thought twice about it, that the podcasts that I subscribe to, the money that I give them, a big chunk of that money does not even get to them. And I exactly. I want to give them that money because I like their content and obviously I want to hear more of it and I want to enable them to support the practice of creating that content for me more and more and more often and better content, right? It never even occurred to me how much of the money we pay for the stuff we like, for the content we like and to support the people we like don't get to the people we like and to the it's content. Actually a yeah. Step, uh, yeah, it's a step further than that. You're not really... Uh, a subscriber to your favorite content producer. You're a subscriber to Patreon. You know, you're not really a subscriber to the person you want to follow on YouTube. You are a YouTube subscriber. There's always the corporation in the middle that not only wants the money, but uh, makes sure that they are between you and the person that you want to give your hard-earned money to to you know help them do their thing. And uh, we're going to take the corporation away and give you the tools to do it yourself, um, you know, by yourself. Yes, and this is what would be and what should be and what will be fair to the listeners as well, you know, because if I subscribe to the podcasts I like, I like to know that my monetary contribution actually goes to those people and not to a very, very rich media corporation. Exactly. Apple and Amazon and Patreon don't need another $100 million as much as your favorite uh, podcaster or YouTuber needs that $5. So we're going to give them the tools for you to give it to them directly instead of, uh, you know, making the billionaires uh, a little fatter in the middle. Okay, let's go back to our subject now, because I feel like we've made quite a long digression here. This is the first time when I was researching the swatting incidents. It's the first time I even heard about the term serial swatter. The next case is that of Ed J.W. We do not know this person's name. The same idiots who swatted Mark Herring are the same ones that harassed Ed J.W. 
um, he describes the whole ordeal online. You can find the story uh, on his Twitter. He actually got the real SWAT team with like helicopters in the sky, like really insane, like uh, police dogs, the whole the whole nine yards. Um, but he makes a really good point in his tweet. My younger daughter cried that night. One thing goes wrong and she's left without a father because the militarized police force does not come to play. But I'm white and I live in a small insular neighborhood. Black America is not afforded such luxury. They don't get a courtesy call. Their door gets kicked down. Yeah. So my house has been swatted before. I, how you like that? What? Yes. So For real. For real. Did you have Kelly the bear at the time? Kelly the bear is his dog, guys. No, no. The bear oh, was not thank home. Goodness. I wasn't even home. This is the dumbest. This is the dumbest thing. Well, I say that. I mean, we're trying to find dumb things here. But anyways, I'm going to give you my SWAT story. So I live in Dallas now. At the time, I was kind of traveling back and forth. Uh, I lived in Little Rock, Arkansas previously. On this particular day... I was flying to Dallas, and anybody who didn't listen to episode number one, I mean, I'm a pilot, so I was flying myself to Dallas. And it was just, uh, it was a bad day all around. So this day is easy to find in internet history because it was the day that George Bush's presidential library was opening, which means there was a flight restriction over Dallas for that. It was also the day that Obama was in Dallas because there was a fertilizer factory had blown up uh, the same week, and Obama was in town to see the disaster area for that. So there were overlapping presidential flight restrictions. So presidential flight restrictions are the biggest hassle in the world for airplanes um, because you can't fly through them without air traffic control permission and blah, blah, blah. So I get to Dallas. After much hassle uh, in my little, uh, not very Air Force One, not very valuable airplane, get on the ground. And my wife and I are at a concert at the House of Blues in Dallas. And I get a call while I'm outside uh, smoking a cigarette in between listening to the Black Crows. And my neighbor in Little Rock is calling and she says, are you at home? I said, no. And she said, there's people in your house. I said, call the cops. Well, my neighbor and her roommate uh, were renting a house together across the street. And these are, I mean, these are like, you know, 20s college students. One's in grad school and the other is uh, uh, working on her education degree, I believe. And they are drunk. They're like two bottles of wine in and it's early. So they have a sudden bit of courage. They're not just going to go call the police. They're going to go and throw the wine bottles at the burglars. And so they go and scare the getaway driver away. The car drives away, but the two burglars are still inside the house, and they want my TV really bad. So, I, I don't know what to say. This is So they go, <laughs> they take the TV, and they go in the alley behind the house, and the cops show up, and they got two drunk girls from across the street saying, yeah, they were going to steal the TV, but we scared them off. And so the cops leave, and we think it's over. At this point, the two guys come back and try to come back to the front of the house so that their getaway driver can pick them up with the TV. So the two drunk girls see these guys run across the yard with the TV. They call the cops again. They say, they're back. 
and one of them went back. One of them went back behind the house. They're gonna get. They're gonna get in there again. So, the second dispatcher that got the second call had no idea that there was nobody in the house. And you're talking to two drunk girls from across the street. You know, they're not making a lot of sense because you know, two bottles of wine. So they didn't know that nobody was home. So the Little Rock PD sent the SWAT team, the hostage negotiator, the dogs, uh, <laughs> all of the patrol cars, all of them. The entire city was parked outside my house only to get there and have two drunk girls say, yeah, there's nobody in there, but there's two guys with a TV. And so guess how many of the burglars were caught by the entire police department outside of my house. Two? None? Zero. None. <laughs> they, walked down, they walked down the alley with the TV, got in a car at the end of the block that left them there previously, and left with the TV. You know, all of the cops did not think to go have one guy check the alley. They never crossed their mind. Yeah, they're too busy loading up their AR-15s and getting out their dogs and putting on their helmets and putting on their their uh, their armored gloves and making sure everything looks just right and they look cool for their uh, their pictures and all that stuff. Because if there's anything we know about the internet, that it's only for the three P's: posting, porn, playing games. That's it. So the cops are getting ready for their posts and uh, making sure all their gear looks right. And they didn't check the alley. The two guys got away. And well, I mean, I'll be honest, though. I'm happy we can laugh and talk about this and nothing bad happened. Because, again, this could have been one of, even if one of those people who was stealing that, you know what I mean? I feel like there are infractions, like stealing something for which you don't deserve to die. You know what I mean? And I feel like violent attacks and stuff. So, I mean, I'm happy nobody got shot. I feel yeah. bad that your TV got stolen. What if there was a bad situation and you guys were in the house and those people were armed, you know, the robbers? Especially since they were talking to two drunk girls, they assumed maybe those two drunk girls don't have all the information. So rather than just, the situation could have been dire in the house. Have you ever talked to two drunk girls before? I have, and I can tell you what they do not lack is information. They got information for days. <laughs> yeah, but you can't, that's, <laughs> I, I'm happy they sent everybody. The cops, the dogs, everything, because what if you would have been in the house with your wife? That's really, I mean, when you get to what you might steal out of people's houses that's worth any money these days, jewelry, guns, uh, Xboxes and Playstations. That's There's nothing else of value in the average person's house. Yeah, I would never steal a gun, for example. Like, if I were to steal anything, I don't, like, that's, honestly, I don't want to be anywhere near them. I don't want to see them. I don't need them. Thank you very much. But uh, when I got back into town, um, so, you know, I called the detective that had been assigned to follow up on all this and try to find these guys. And uh, so I get the detective on the phone and, um, I told him, I was like, yeah, the two girls across the street told me the description of the car, and they said that they gave, uh, you know, the person writing the report that night the description of the car. And he said, yeah, he's like, we had a car like that that we pulled over a couple times around your neighborhood, and I was wondering if it's the same people. They may have been out, you know, like checking out houses during the day when we pulled them over, and I was wondering if it's the same car. And uh, so I'm I'm reading the text messages that the two, the girl from across the street sent to me. And I said, yeah, she said it was a red uh, red Chevrolet Impala. And the, the detective says, oh, no, I guess it's not the same one because the, the patrol car that pulled this one over says it's Burgundy. <laughs> I mean, 
<laughs> what? Um, at that point, I was like, "Yeah, thanks, buddy." Uh, yeah, he's the detective. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I mean, I'm scared now because if you can't tell, I mean, burgundy and red—they're pretty much the same thing, and especially when you're talking about cars. And English is not your first language, but you get this joke. So yeah, yeah. I mean, he's the detective, and he does not. So <laughs> uh, maybe I should become a detective, Neil. Use uh, my. Investigate investigative skills and like find bad guys. No, I mean the dogs. Our dogs, I think, would figure this out before that detective would, for sure. I know my oh. dog could follow the TV down the alley, definitely. So <laughs> follow the TV down the alley. <laughs> no, this is a. I, I had no idea. Like. I had no idea this happened to you. I'm so happy everything turned out okay in the and end, while, you know? So, and the, I guess the only other thing is this all got interrupted like three times the night it was going on because while the most Little Rock thing was happening to my TV, the most Dallas thing after the concert, we're outside in the parking lot at the House of Blues waiting on the valet and four guys in the parking lot of the House of Blues get into a fight because one was leaning on the other one's Range Rover. That is the most Dallas thing. <sighs> and so I had to be, I was a witness to that. So I had to give a statement to the Dallas police and then call the Little Rock police back to talk about my TV after I got done with the fight over Don't Touch My Range Rover. So that is insane. Oh my goodness. The only thing to do is to put the dog in the car and drive west until you run out of west, I think. Or just or just or just <laughs> actually I would put mine in a plane and maybe I, I'm thinking fly till Sweden, Denmark, I don't know, maybe Austria, one of the Little airplanes don't have that much gas, so it's not going to Yeah, gonna well, we're going to have a private jet when we're going to be rich from this podcast. Hello? This is 911. What's going on? Hello? Yeah. This is 911. What's going on? Um, I recently got disconnected. I had told you guys everything that happened about the argument with my mom and dad. Okay. What's your address? Hello? Yeah, um, it's 1033 West McCormick Street. Okay, tell me exactly what happened. They were arguing and I shot him in the head and he's not breathing anymore. Okay, so what's going on right now? Are you there? Yeah. Okay, do you have any weapons on you? Yeah, I do. What kind of weapons do you have? Um, a handgun. What kind of handgun is it? I don't know, it's my dad. What color is it? It's black. Where exactly are you at in the house? Um, by the closet. Okay, what closet? My mom's. Where's that at in the house? Uh, in her room. Which is where she's at and my little brother. You have a little brother? 
Yeah. I was on the phone with you guys earlier, um, telling you guys about it. I just I got disconnected. Okay. Well, we're going to try to get you some help. Um, where exactly in the house, like, is this a one-story or two-story house? It's one story. Is it towards the front of the house, the back of the house? Um, well, like, it's, it's like, towards the back, I guess. I'm just pointing the gun at them, making sure they stay in the closet, my mom and my little brother. Okay, is there any way you can put the gun up? No. Are you guys sending someone over here? Because then I'm definitely not going to put it away. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and stay on the phone with you, okay? That's fine. Until they get here, or? As long as you need me to, okay? Yeah, I'm thinking about, because um, I already poured gasoline all over the house. I might just set it on fire. Okay, well, we don't need to do that, okay? In a little bit, I might. Why would you do that? Do you have my address correct? Can you verify it for me again? Um, it's 1033 West McCormick Street. Um, my zip code is 67213. Okay. So which way does your house face? Like, does your front door face north, south, east, west? I don't know. It's just facing the street. My dad isn't breathing. It's kind of giving me anxiety, making me like paranoid. Hello. I'm still here. I'm still here, okay? Yeah, me too. Are you white, black, Asian, Hispanic? Are you there? Yeah. Are you white, black, Asian, Hispanic? It, it, it was an accident, so. Okay, that's fine. Are you there? Talk to me. Hello? The next case is that of Andrew Finch. He got swatted in 2017 after an online Call of Duty dispute between two other separate people he had no connection with. Uh, let's call them Bad Guy 1 and Bad Guy 2. Bad Guy 1 threatened Bad Guy 2 with swatting. Bad Guy 2 dared him to do it and gave him his former address where he and his family had been evicted from. This is what drives me nuts because it's such a stupid way for somebody to die over an absolutely unnecessary prank phone call. For what? For nothing. One of these bad guys asked the third bad guy to actually make that 911 call, right? Yeah. And this idiot actually went ahead and made the phone call. He used a voiceover IP through the free Wi-Fi from a South Los Angeles library. So he was in Los Angeles. And he called the Wichita Police Department. And because the call was transferred from the Wichita City Hall to 911, the dispatcher believed that the call was indeed coming from the Wichita area. Yeah, this is, this is why I'm not a 911 dispatcher. Because if I get that call... 
uh, when a guy tells me, I just killed my whole family and poured gasoline all over the house. My immediate response is, you're a loser and you're lying. Goodbye. And I hang up. So I would be I would be fired on day one. No, you wouldn't be hired. Let's I mean you I mean, so there's so many there's so many things. I mean, this is the case that I mentioned at the top where there was a, a bet for a dollar and fifty cents. So this is the level of intelligence you're dealing with here. Big stakes. Exactly. But this is why it's so frustrating, because these idiot kids who don't spend time in real life, they manage to kill people with their online. I mean, if somebody tells you, I have my little brothers here at gunpoint and I, I'm going to start the fire and, you know, like I'm holding minors hostage, what are you going to do? You're going to send the SWAT team and you're going to send the police. I mean, at least that's what I would do. Predictably, the attempt to deal with all this when Congress went to pass new laws, um, average member of Congress is roughly as smart as one of these Xbox Live kids. I would argue that that is more valid on the Republican side. I don't want to get into it too much, but I mean... No, it's the brain disease uh, is uh, throughout the building, so... Well, I can't really argue with that that much, though. That is, I mean, I'm yeah. Anyways. Right. Although I, I lean towards the left side is less damaged. There's no left in the U.S. There's right, there's right, and there's diet right. <laughs> anyway, their their solution was to pass a law to threaten jail time if you misuse caller ID. Well, no. The solution is to make the phone company improve their systems and better accommodate these changes in modern technology. But I mean, we all have cell phones, and I'm sure we're all aware that the only reason AT&T has the worst app in the world is because T-Mobile doesn't have one. Otherwise, T-Mobile's would be the worst app in the world. <laughs> With all this in mind, um, the solution would be the phone company is responsible for verifying that their account holder is in fact using a caller ID that belongs to them. After all, the phone companies collect mountains of cell phone data that they sell to anybody who wants to track cell phones. So it's not like they're not collecting it. They're just bad at implementing tools to use it uh, for anybody that's not paying for their database. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, that would be the solution, but we don't do that because the cell phone companies uh, have been paying politicians for many years longer than uh, anybody else, so they get a pass. So the phone call was made. We listened to it. Obviously, the Wichita PD officers were dispatched because if you were that dispatcher listening to that phone call, let's be honest, you can't tell if a person is joking, if they're not. You can't take that chance. From the dispatcher, yeah. I mean, it, I mean. There's no other. Yeah. Now, um, police arrived, they surrounded the house. Andrew Finch was chilling in the house, saw the police lights everywhere. So he stepped outside on the porch to see what's going on, like any of us would do. His mom says that she heard a scream and then a gunshot. Andrew, he was pronounced dead 17 minutes later, but I think he died on the spot and you know it just took them 17 minutes to get to the hospital. Now, this idiot kid pled guilty to involuntary manslaughter. In March 2019, he was sentenced to 20 years in federal prison. 
The other two uh, were sentenced to two years community service and a few months, in, like about one year. In, I don't know. I, I feel that the sentences in these cases should be really, really severe because this is not an online game. This is, you can, you're causing people to die. Well, I mean, and the only thing he's missing is, you know, 25 or 30 years for the cop that shot in the cell next to him. And, you know, again, it, we get back to at the end of the day, I mean, they made a false police report. Other than that, they've never been to Wichita, Kansas. So um, it's it's a difficult thing. Um, yeah, yeah, legally, though. On the other hand, it's difficult for uh, the prosecutor after the fact, but it's not difficult for the case of the cop. Uh, the cop should be the first one prosecuted because there's no reason to shoot at a guy who doesn't have a gun in his hand, period. I agree. I was just going to add one more thing. Uh, Andrew Finch, he had two young children at this time. So those children are pretty much, I mean, almost orphans. They have their grandma now, but they lost their dad. The police only released seven minutes of body cam footage. And they also kept um, Andrew's body away from his family from an uh, inexplicable uh, period of time. And immediately after the shooting, it became clear that nobody had been murdered by Andrew in the house. Uh, everybody's okay. There's no gasoline. There's no fire. Still, the entire family, including all the miners, were handcuffed and their computers, computers and phones, uh, phones were seized by the police. So basically, they were treated like criminals after the police had just shot their beloved family member. It's just insane. Andrew Finch had a, an 18-year-old niece, Adelina, and she committed suicide uh, in January 2019. So two years later, Adelina was raised by Andrew's mom and Andrew. So that was her family right there, right? Uh, she had already lost her mother. She had died previously. So she was 17 at the time of the shooting. And I can't, I can't imagine that seeing uh, Andrew dying did not play a role in her suicide. And I mean, Probably, Andrew's yes. mom, yeah. I mean, you're a 17-year-old kid and you see that stuff happening. There's no way you're not going to be affected. Yeah. Yeah, so like the implications are so much more and they can, they, of course, they affect the entire families, but then you can have people like, such young, innocent people like Adelina who just can't deal with that reality and they end up taking their lives. So, oh. That's yeah. it. That's it. Because I'm, I'm, I'm getting mad. Like, look, now I'm hot. I have to take my sweater off. My, my video. <laughs> we spent this episode on this incredibly dumb phenomenon, and I didn't get to see it. My, my drunk neighbors got to see me swatted. I suppose, even though I wasn't home, and all I lost was the TV. So I don't well, know. Well, thank it's, goodness. Yeah, I didn't have the bear at that time, so there's no danger to the dog. Yeah, and with us guys, like. As we said before, it's all like everything goes until until the pets are involved. Like you touch our cats or dogs, it's done. It's like that bit uh, from Joe Pesci in the casino movie. You know, if somebody shoots my dog when I get out of prison, uh, <laughs> you're going to be coming out of your coma. That's how it's going to go. Exactly. This whole thing, as we mentioned, I was really against doing this episode, even though I've seen this firsthand, kind of, through my drunk neighbors. You know, this whole thing is like, I mean, we live in the bazooka circus from, you know, Hunter Thompson's story about Vegas. It doesn't make any sense. It's all insane. The whole world is Vegas. 
the people that cannot separate Xbox Live and what somebody said on Twitch and what somebody said on YouTube from taking a gun and threatening somebody in real life are children of people who are fascinated by doop-doop-doop in a slot machine in Vegas. I mean, this is like the modern version of the same thing on your phone in your pocket all day. The only difference is instead of the Chicago mob getting all the money, Jeff Bezos gets all the money from Twitch subscriptions. It's insane. Stanley Kubrick was beginning to lose the ability to make something more outrageous than real life in Full Metal Jacket, and it was gone in Eyes Wide Shut. So the fact that he died shortly thereafter or during Eyes Wide Shut, he didn't miss anything either because you can't compete with reality anymore. I know people like to think that they can do something about all this stuff. I don't know. What are you going to do? Are, can you fix the phone company? No. Can you fix the cops? No. Can you fix uh, stupid kids that think it's completely reasonable to murder a guy over what you said when we were playing COD on Xbox Live? No. Not really. And now, well, <laughs> I'm going to have to disagree. We can fix the phone situation, and I think we can fix the cops too. And in that case, even if the kids can't get fixed, it the situation won't, it won't go that far. I don't know. Wherever the jerky boys are, you guys are still on top, man. It's still all about you. I'm afraid to ask who the jerky boys are, so I'm just going to... The jerky boys were doing phone pranks in the 80s and selling them on CDs as comedy. Okay. And we all had those CDs when we were kids. So it's like, this is this is where all of this stuff stems from. The jerky boys were the er phone pranksters. And if the jerky boys are still alive... I mean, you still got it, man. You, you're still on top of the world because <laughs> everybody's trying to be you, only with the SWAT team. <laughs> yeah, guys, um, tell us what you think about episode two. We're open to suggestions. Let us know if you'd like to hear about other subjects that are of interest to you. Uh, we are at DubiousPod on Insta, Twitter, and Facebook. Also head to dubiouspod.com and sign up. You can subscribe to our bonus episodes. We got one about a guy who crashes airplanes on purpose to try to be an Instagram phone case influencer. It's nuts. And the only place you're going to get that stuff is on dubiouspod.com. Also, leave us a positive review wherever you listen to us. That helps a lot as well. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. (laughs) 